From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it as we move ever closer to uh, Ash Wednesday, Wednesday, this Wednesday, the 14th of February, and uh, Easter will be very early this year at the end of March. So appreciate you all being with us, uh, and uh, we are pleased to welcome in uh, Jay Salazar, a catechist and parishioner at St. Joseph's Parish in Vacaville. Uh, Jay, good day to you. Oh, good morning, or afternoon, actually. It's afternoon now. I'm happy to be with you, and thank you so much for that for those kind words and introduction. Uh, Jay, tell us just a little bit about yourself and your role there, how long you've been a parishioner. My uh, my sister's in the choir at St. Joseph's, so I, I live in Davis, but I can hear her singing on Sunday morning. I, it carries all the way to Davis. It comes right up to I-80. <laughs> Yes, I, I actually sing with your sister in the morning oh, choir. She, uh, oh, that's wonderful. And I am mass, yes. And so we're often singing together uh, on on Sunday. It's awfully fun. Yeah, and uh, well, my spouse and I have been uh, parishioners uh, since 1989. Wow. Uh, at St. Uh, actually, slightly before St. Joseph's was a formal parish. Um, right. We actually used to have uh, mass in the school Notre Dame gym. In right. fact, my son was baptized in the school Notre Dame gym before we before we built the parish center and then eventually built the church in 2004. Such a beautiful church. Oh, my goodness. Oh, thank you so much. You're very kind. Yeah, and, and, uh, and in the school there, I've, I've, uh, I remember going, I think maybe it was a vocation center I attended there in the, in the hall, you know, and it's just, just, just so nice, and you've got you've got such a huge parking lot too. You need a golf cart to get people up to the front door. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, a very good description. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very good, very good. Well, and and Father Josie Matthew there as, as your uh, pastor. Yes, Father Josie Matthew uh, is our current pastor. Uh, he's been with us uh, since for about five years now, mm-hmm. um, and and does a wonderful job of of ministering to our spiritual needs here in Vacaville uh, at St. Joseph's. It's been just a joy to have his enthusiasm and his dedication to the Lord um, kind of pour over the, the parish community. It's been really, really a wonderful experience since he's come. You know, the one thing I love about St. Joseph's is all the words to all the songs all the hymns are put up on the on the screen, so you can you can see them if you're kind of fumbling along and humming along and wondering what the second verse is. There it is for everybody to see. Yeah, it's such a joy, you know. And as Saint Augustine says, when you sing, you actually get you actually pray twice. So uh-huh. I kind yeah. of think of, I get double the grace. So it's sort <laughs> of a two for one value whenever I'm singing, and I always am encouraged when the congregation sings. It's so wonderful to hear, and it's and it creates a, a the Holy Spirit. It just moves throughout the church, especially as you know, you since you've been here, it's such a large church with such a right. high ceiling that it just echoes throughout, and it's just a wonderful feeling as well as a wonderful a wonderful chorus of voices. I, and I've never seen the so-called cry room that's quite so large. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Well, it's actually our chapel. Your chapel, uh, which is, yeah, yeah. Right. So immediately adjacent to the church itself with large windows, which you can see through. Right. And it, it functions for a number of years as our morning chapel. Right. Uh, for more mass until we got a little bit bigger in our morning mass activities. And so now we use the entire church for morning Lord, mass. For your morning mass, uh, weekday mass, that's wonderful. Yes, indeed. Yes, it is. It is quite, uh, quite invigorating to be in the presence of the Lord in that space uh, right there next to the sacrament um it's 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 really quite a remarkable church quite a remarkable structure to be in yeah and vacaville ever growing you used to just have what saint mary's there right and yes saint mary's is right across town right. um and uh, my brother 
my brother-in-law and sister have been a longtime parishioners at St. Mary's. Uh, they moved to Vacaville back in 1972. Wow. So, yeah. And they are still living in the same house that they purchased <laughs> back oh. then. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, don't tell me what they paid for it in 72 and what it's worth now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably Probably increased in value, certainly, but uh, but yes, we have a very close relationships relationship with St. Mary's. In fact, a number of families uh, send their children um, to Notre Dame School, right. which is right. really on the campus of St. Joseph's campus. Right. Well, very good. So, so just as a choir member, what do, what what does that require in terms of a t- a time commitment? Well, yeah, for our ministry, uh, for for years now, the time commitment is usually a, a, a two-hour get-together get rehearsal, an understanding of what songs we're singing uh, on a on a during ordinary time, and then right. of course during the seasons we have extra time that we get together. Um, you know, we could call them rehearsals, but they're really more like uh, Bible studies because mm-hmm. we're always sort of looking at the songs with the choir minister and understanding how the songs fit into the readings and uh, for that particular day and what is the real message that we're trying to express in song. Uh, as well as we have a, we have a regular cantor routine so some of the choir members, not only do they sing the songs, but then they, they are the cantors for particular masses mm-hmm. also, lead the singing, as well as sing the responsorial psalm uh, during, uh, during the mass. So do you get together like on a weeknight or something like that one, once yes, a week? Yes, I'm sorry. Thursday, Thursday nights are our regular rehearsal mm-hmm. nights now. Uh, rehearsal nights, get together nights on 7 to 9. And then, like for Easter, we're, we'll probably have a number of additional rehearsals, because as you know, the Holy Week becomes this really high point right. uh, for our family. and and having music as is an integral part of that uh, that experience of Holy Week for all of us in the parish. So, so normally two hours a week, and then of course the singing on Sundays, and then. You always have the option as a choir member to sing at multiple masses. Uh, oh, very so good. Nothing doing that, and I've done that in the past. It's quite a, it's actually quite a, a wonderful experience because, uh, you know, the mass is just a recreation of 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 God's great gift to us in right. terms of Jesus' sacrifice, and it's it's really quite joyful to be in the choir and experience that more than once uh, on Sunday. It's uh, and it and it can make it can, it can make my faith and our faith so it's very real to me. It can becomes very real to me. Very um, so, so I've done that multiple times where I've sung at multiple masses. Can uh, can my sister hold a tune? Oh, absolutely. Okay, uh, she's a beautiful vocalist. Uh, we enjoy having her. Absolutely. <laughs> as as the firstborn in any Catholic Irish Catholic family, her name is Mary. <laughs> okay. In case you're wondering, no nobody names the thirdborn Mary unless you had two boys first. But <laughs> for, first firstborn female is always Mary. <laughs> That's wonderful to hear. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, you have a a, a wonderful retreat coming up, a Lenten retreat. Yes, this is uh, really exciting because we've done retreats in the uh, it, over the last two years. The parish has really tried to always focus on providing the parish community uh, a retreat experience to deepen our faith. Uh, and this this particular year, we have the um, 2024 Lenten retreat, which really kicks off Lent for our parish, mm-hmm. uh, and it's led by Dr. John Bergsma, mm-hmm. uh, Catholic scholar and theologian. He's a professor of theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, and we have two sessions that are part of the retreat. Uh, it begins on Friday, February 16th at 6.30 p.m. and runs for a few hours and then uh, can starts back up on Saturday, February 17th, starting at 8.15, which is going to be a Mass. Okay. And then mm-hmm. And then he's going to uh, chime in right after Mass. Uh, 
and and go until about 12:30 p.m. Uh, and so this is, uh, you know, we really want to share this not just with our parishioners at St. Joseph's, but we decided a while back that this would be a great time to share with all the churches in the diocese. And so we encourage all the churches in the diocese to go to our website, um, go to St. Joseph's Vacaville website, uh, click on the retreat, and you can register there. It's completely free, by the way. There's there's no charge. Uh, wow. We, we are inviting Dr. Bergsma to lead this retreat um, uh, through our own efforts and resources. And But we want other churches to participate uh, or to be, provide other churches in the diocese uh, the availability to participate in this wonderful experience to kick off Lent, to deepen our faith, uh, which is something that Lent really calls us to do is, is to, to, to kind of get to a point where we start to look at our faith as a as a as as an individual effort to deepen our intimacy with God and that's sort of our goal and mission of putting on this starting this retreat is to kick off Lent with the idea that we want all of us to deepen our relationship with God become more intimate with God and start off with the retreat and then continue that intimacy uh, with God through Lent and uh, revealing, you know, the wonderful kind of uh, emotional expression that comes with any friendship through in East, at Easter. You, you, you presume you want to, to know how many people are coming so you know how many croissants to order on Saturday morning, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. That would be helpful. Uh, yes, we do have... Uh, we, when you go to the website uh, and you click on the Lenten retreat, there will be a QR code that you can scan on your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will that will let you register. Again, it's free, so you just scan your scan on your phone the QR code, and it will send you to uh, a site that will uh, let you register, and that will tell us uh, a little bit more about about how many people will be there. Um, we thought that would be important, but uh, but it's really also just as important to let people know this is real. It's really going to happen. And sometimes when you just put out a flyer or a letter um, and you don't provide people an opportunity to say, yes, I'm coming, uh, then it's kind of easy for them to forget about it right. uh, or or, you know, to just say, well, you know, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. But once you register for something it becomes something that you're really committed to and want to do. And again, we're providing this. We encourage everybody in the diocese to take a look at our website and register uh, for the retreat. Again, it's the 16th, begins on the 16th of February at 6.30 p.m. So you have plenty of time to get off work and drive over to Vacaville uh, and then come back on Saturday morning. And if you'd like, Please attend our morning mass at, that begins at 8:15, and then right after that mass, which is, which will the uh, the retreat will start right back up and run until about 12:30 p.m. But Dr. Bergsma, really enthusiastic, uh, he's going to cover his own conversion experience, which is really a little bit about what Lent is for all of us, is is an ongoing conversion experience. He's going to cover his own conversion experience, um, his own uh, understanding now and belief in the real presence of the Eucharist. And then he's at the very end of the retreat, he's going to be, be doing a presentation on how our families can come together uh, as one unit and 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 develop a relationship with God through the family and with the family, uh, which is uh, something that we all, that our church uh, doesn't always uh, help us with. Um, we, we get a lot of help individually in spirituality, um, but sometimes we don't get a lot of help with uh, the whole family unit together and how we can work it together and cooperate and unify together uh, with our relationship with God. You know, and people should know that uh, uh, from whatever direction you're coming, it's really, really easy to uh, to get to St. Joseph's. Uh, you just hop on, just hop on I-80, and uh, yes, 
you're you're probably two minutes off the freeway, I'd say. Yes, right. About uh, two to four minutes right off the freeway, uh, heading south uh, on one of the major arterials, either Alamo Drive or Nut Tree or Leisure Town Road. All, either of, one all of, those. of which have freeway exits. Yeah, all of which have freeway exits, yes. Right. Absolutely. The, the, for those that uh, want the actual address so they can, you know, uh, get 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 to Siri or somebody to tell them how to get there. It's 1791 Marshall Road in Vacaville. Yes, 1791 Marshall Road in Vacaville. Um, and you can always, if you have Siri, you can say St. Joseph's Parish in Vacaville, and normally Siri will will get you right there. Yeah, if you Just say it, make- if you say it enough, we may convert Siri if she's not already Catholic. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> she's she, she going to go, wow, what are all these people doing going to St. Joseph's on a Friday and a Saturday? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> very good, very good. Right. So, yeah, I, I think especially it's to, to see the what uh, Dr. Bergman is going to be talking about, you know, to the, you know, his conversion, how I discovered the Eucharist and the Catholic Church. Uh, you know, in all mm-hmm. the years I've been doing this show, I, I hear conversion stories from people and yes. and vocation stories from people who have converted. And it's amazing yes. to me, so many of them say it was the Eucharist. It was, yes. I didn't have that in my faith, or I had it as a a, a symbol. I didn't have it as as this is the real presence and, and in this in this time yes. of uh, eucharist revival or eucharistic revival this is such a such a wonderful workshop and then and then two uh, you know the he's going to talk about confession is spiritual warfare his protestant journey to confession and its importance mm-hmm. in lent and i've heard that so many times from my non-catholic friends is I don't get confession. I don't understand it. I don't know why you do that. And um, this is this is powerful stuff. And what a, what a grace filled sacrament that is. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And the sacraments in our religion, in our faith, um, help us uh, and move us towards uh, towards God, using Jesus as that bridge uh, as we move. Through our lives, uh, we can use the sacraments to help and to help sustain us and encourage us, uh, and that's what they're intended to do. Uh, this, this is a, this is the Catholic faith, is the one true faith. The Eucharist is the real presence, uh, and that's the joy of this Lenten retreat: is that we get to revisit those issues. And for those of us who are cradle Catholics like myself, we get to. Uh, have a more closer and more intimate understanding of how all of these things in our faith make us whole uh, with our lives and with God and with everyone around us, how we can let the Holy Spirit flow through us to other people and expand the kingdom in the here and now, yeah, in very, the day to day. Very well put, Jay. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I hear from people who say, well, I understand you believe it's the the real presence. It's really the body and blood of of Jesus Christ, and I say no. It's it's a higher level than my belief. It's a truth. Right. You know, it doesn't it's, matter if I believe it or not. I mean, it matters to me. It matters to God. It doesn't matter whether or not I believe it. It is. You you, yes, you know, it, it's a fact, and it's a, it's a and if you want to say it, it's a scientific fact. It just is. You know whether 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 you can prove it scientifically or not, it is a fact. And and I, I I'm really intrigued. After daily mass on Saturday, Dr. Burbs is going to talk about science and faith. How modern discoveries provide evidence of a su- supernatural mind. I'm telling you, uh, as you know, I, I I really do believe most scientists are truth seekers. Just as 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 our faith is is always seeks truth, and Every new scientific discovery, it pulls me closer to God. It's like, wow, who knew this? You know, I mean, when I took astronomy in in uh, uh, college years ago, 
And I think back then they thought there were uh, nine planets and one star, and that's about it, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, and now, right. now we're learning all this stuff about how vast everything is, and all it does is make you realize even more that there was a creator. Yes, and so many parallels, you know, since the, um, when, since the development um, and uh, of quantum mechanics, yeah. uh, we see so many similarities in the way uh, that uh, the theories and sub-theories related to quantum mechanics, like string theory and mm -hmm. and, and theorem, uh, are so closely related to the thinking of St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas. It is, it is remarkable to compare the, the methodology and the critical thinking that went into developing quantum mechanics and then read Summa Theologica or read some of the writings of St. Augustine and see the very same type of thinking, uh, the same type of analysis uh, that goes on. And I only speak, I only speak from my own experience because I, I grew up as an engineer. So mm -hmm. I, I, I worked for 40 years as an engineer. Yeah, and, you were speaking and, and a I, bit of Greek to me right there right. for a minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all those, all those, uh, technical scientific terms, but it's, it, it really is true. You know, uh, the Catholic church has nothing, nothing to fear from science. You know, some, sometimes you Absolutely. hear people say, you know, oh, science yeah. and religion, they're, at, they're at odds. They're at loggerheads. Well, I mean, scientific discoveries, you can do evil things with them and you can do very good things with them. But the science itself right. is, I mean, I, I truly believe a cancer doctor is trying to find the cure to cancer. You know, he's trying to find, he's seeking truth. Right. Know? And Absolutely. and we as Catholics are, are always seeking truth. And it is, it's just amazing to me. Every, every discovery in science is just, brings us one step closer to the creator. Yes, so true. So very true. I think that will be a, a wonderful topic. And then uh, he's going to talk about, can I be holy? Um, and sometimes I think we think that's reserved for the saints. Well, we all want to be saints, you know, but the, the saints that have been declared. And, and you, do, you do, do look at right. some of these heroic stories of some of the saints and you go, wow, wow, that's, I don't know if I could do that. You know, the, the, the sacrifices they made, but we're all called to holiness. Yes, you know, and and the more we read our church doctors, uh, again, I've mentioned St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine, uh, St. Loyola, Ignatius. Right. When we read what they've written, um, there's one underlying theme, and it's all about developing an intimate relationship with God. The byproduct of their holiness in my world, as I've, as I've read them, the byproduct of their holiness is, uh, or the, the byproduct of that relationship is holiness. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we strive for. It's just something that occurs out of having a wonderful, ongoing exchange and loving relationship with God. Amen. Well, again, it is this Friday at St. Joseph's in Vacaville, Friday evening, yes. starting again at uh, 6.30? 6.30 p.m., the 16th, 6.30 p.m. is when it starts. Um, please show up early so that, uh, you know, we have a large parking lot, but it does take a while to get from one end to the other. <laughs> Indeed it does. <laughs> uh, plan your day to show up at 6 so you can get a parking spot and get a comfortable place, the large church. And so you'll, you'll always have a, a place to sit. And then and then Saturday morning, uh, beginning with Holy Mass at 8.15, and then uh, more with uh, um, Dr. John Bergman. So get there maybe at 8 on, on Saturday morning. Yes, absolutely. Right. That would be great. Well, Jay Salazar, a, a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, thanks for all you do there, and thanks for your role in the uh, getting this workshop up and running, and I know, I know, I know, Father Josie's very excited about this. Yes, he is, um, and and we we couldn't be more pleased to, uh, through his leadership and his help, 
in trying to provide this type of activity for the entire diocese, for every church in the Sacramento diocese. We're very, very, very happy to do this. Very good. Well, uh, God's blessings on you and 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 everybody there at Saint Saint Joseph's and uh, Father Josie, and we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon. I look forward to that too. To also, and I really want to thank you uh, for your time and effort in talking with me today. Uh, it was certainly a joy, and I can feel the Holy Spirit flowing through you. Oh, that's very kind. Uh, well, the joy was all mine, and. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. I'm sure. Uh, I always I always say, you know, uh, God brings people together for who knows what reasons. But uh, we've been brought together, so so it's a joyful thing. Well, God bless you. God bless you too, Jay. Thanks so much. We'll take right, a uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. Uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue, Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Uh, th this is Bishop William K. Wiegand, the Bishop Emeritus of Sacramento, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Denning. And that's, that's me. Thank you, Bishop Wiegand, for that wonderful introduction for all you have done and continue to do for our great diocese of Sacramento. Uh, you've made us all better for that. Uh, we are. Uh, this is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in David Zarka from the Knights of Malta. David, good day to you. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Bob, thanks a lot for having me. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Well, I, I your your previous times on this show, you know, the the phones light up. Everybody, everybody's excited to hear. Tell us about. Well, first of all, let's let's get the the nuts and bolts out. The World Day of the Sick coming up, February the seventeenth, ten a.m. to noon, 
that's that's uh, Saturday, of course, uh, the World Day of the Sick this year will be uh, held with Bishop Soto at Our Lady of the Assumption uh, Parish, Ola, OLA as they call it, or Ola, <laughs> and uh, that is at uh, 5057 Cottage Way in Sacramento, and uh, uh, the, Knights of the Knights of Malta are such uh, principal sponsors along with the diocese of this wonderful event. Tell, tell us a little bit about the Knights. Well, uh, Bob, I'm happy to do that, and perhaps... You'd be able to tell us because you've heard me speak about this before, but for the listeners out there where this is the first time, um, the full name of the order is the Sovereign Military and Hospitaller Order of St. John of Jerusalem, of Rhodes, and of Malta. Wait a minute. Can you that can tell you that? <laughs> if you can, uh, you probably have an 8 by 10 business card. So, uh, But anyone who actually can refer to that uh, uh, moniker – is probably connected with the Knights of Malta, where uh, the order was founded in 1048 by Blessed Gerard as the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And its principal uh, guide, as it was said, it's the Sovereign Military and Hospitaller Order. Now, what does that mean? First, Sovereign, by Papal Bull in 1113, Pope Paschal II had decreed that in this order, it would not be subject to any one kingdom, but actually there were multiple uh, uh, kingdoms from which the knights came. And originally that was from Spain, France, Germany, England, and Italy. You might think about it as like the first United Nations in a way. Mm -hmm. um, it was the first time that in uh, uh, Christendom that they actually had an order that was beholden unto themselves and not to any one monarch. Now, the order is a lay religious order, which is different than most. Um, most of your listeners are probably uh, familiar with uh, uh, orders where the clergy makes up the majority of right. the membership. Right. But in the Knights of Malta, it's the other way around. It's predominantly a, um, a order that's made up of non-clergy although there are some priests and bishops, of course, that are part of the order. It was a military order um, because the prime uh, reason was to protect pilgrims on their way to the pilgrimage in the Holy Land, and that was in the Middle Ages. Wow. And it was a hospitaller order because in Jerusalem they founded a hospital where it was uh, something that could serve the pilgrims, but not only the pilgrims, but virtually anyone from any religious creed anywhere in the world who needed care. And so from that, our charism in Latin is tutio fidei obsequium pauperum. Now, what does that mean? It's the protection of the faith and service to the poor. Wow. And so that's originally where our order originated. So it comes from just beyond a thousand years after Christ till today. And today it exists in 48 countries and is uh, uh, in the United States alone, there are three different organizations, the American Association, the Federal Association, and the Western Association. Mm -hmm. uh, American Association began in New York in 1927, and the Western Association was next initially formed in San Francisco, and that was in, uh, let's see, I think that was in the 1950s, and now it's in Oakland, California, mm -hmm. and the Federal Association is in Washington, D.C. in 1974. Wow. And our membership reaches all the way as west from Hawaii to um, across the entire United States, but the Western Association is from Hawaii to Colorado. Okay, okay. And we cover those states. And you're not going to move out of Oakland like the Raiders and the Warriors and the A's, are you? Well, no, because we have we have better managers <laughs> and better owners than they do. Very good. Um, so we we're not going to move to Las Vegas. We're not going to move to L.A. Uh, that's great. That's great. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, of course, because when you're in the Knights of Malta, you're you're obliged to give perfect and honest answers. That's right. That's exactly right. So, what's the connection to Malta specifically? 
Ah, okay. That's a very good question, Bob. So initially the, the knights were in Jerusalem, and then uh, during the Middle Ages, uh, after um, a few of the, um, 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 uh, the centuries that we were there, ultimately it became uh, taken over by the Muslims. Mm -hmm. And so we relocated then, and as the name says, uh, the Knights of Malta, um, from well, actually beginning the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem of Rhodes and of Malta, they then moved to Rhodes, and from there they ultimately went to Malta, and then that's where they made their last stand. Mm -hmm. The island of Malta is right in the middle of the Mediterranean, and it was a thorn in the side for the Turkish Pashas, who wanted to control not only the Mediterranean, but ultimately use that as a, as a stepping stone to conquer Europe. Mm -hmm. And their, their aim was ultimately to defeat Christendom. And so what's very important for um, Western civilization and the European countries especially, and then from obviously from where America derives its laws and practices, was to have a stand against that and um, make sure that there was a a Christian Europe. And predominantly, the Knights of Malta did that through their navies. There are two very important battles. Mm -hmm. The one first one was in 1565, where 6,000 knights made a stand uh, under Jean Parisot de Ballet against 40,000 Muslim warriors of Suleiman. And there was a four-month siege called the Great Siege, and it lasted from May to September of that year, 1565. The Knights of Malta were able to hold out and actually defeat the Muslims that were attacking. And that preserved th their location on Malta, and for that matter, um, saved the rest of the Christianity for Europe. Then, six years later, in 1571, was the Battle of Lepanto. The very famous As you battle. Can yeah. That's right. It was a naval battle in which... Uh, Obviously, the uh, Muslims were kind of chafing under that idea that they had not defeated the Maltesers, and so they had a naval battle, and it was the largest naval battle up to that time, and it was pretty much an equal matched uh, number of vessels between Malta and the Muslim Turks, but they were seeking to rule the Mediterranean once and for all, and... Uh, it was fortunately for the rest of how history carried out for Christian Europe. The Maltesers, again, were victorious, and um, it saved what was for Western uh, European history and uh, would have been very different had they lost that battle. Wow. Wow. That's a, gr a great thumbnail history lesson there for everyone. That, that's wonderful. Now, you have a tremendous... Well, you can actually say, you can actually tell your listeners maybe the reason why they speak English, Spanish, French, uh, German today is because of that battle. Yeah, yeah, indeed. It would have been different. And and my my wife knew what all those things meant when you were speaking Latin because she took Latin because I'm going to go home and she's going to say, oh, I, I knew ahead of time what that was. Yes, <laughs> that's good. I, well, I, let's I, give her an A. We'll give her an A, yeah. I grew up with the uh, Latin mass, of course, and I'm, I'm dating myself now, but uh, – but I, I, I couldn't have translated that the way my wife could. So, so. Well, Bob, you're, you couldn't be that much older than me, but I can say that I was the last class to learn the Latin Mass. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Yes, it was the very last year. Wow. It, it, so. You know, well. So I'm dating myself too, Bob. Yeah, wonderful memories. Uh, tr truly wonderful memories. So mm -hmm. the Knights, of course, are very connected uh, to Lourdes. And, uh, yes, a big day just just the other day, Lourdes. Correct. Once a year, um, Knights of Malta throughout the entire world convene in Lourdes to bring uh, persons who are sick, called malades. Mm -hmm. That's the French word uh, for sick and is malade, and their companions to be able to bathe and drink the water of Lourdes as our Blessed Lady had asked of us. And it's a wonderful time 
I mean, you can go to Lourdes any time of year, but when you're there with the Knights of Malta, there's just something very special about it. And um, uh, we receive all sorts of blessings. And many times people are hoping for a physical healing, and that does happen. But more often, and uh, is there is an emotional and more than that, a spiritual healing. Mm where uh, we learn that suffering is not meaningless. You know, in today's day and age, people tend to think of, oh, that's too bad that someone got sick, and we almost despair. Right. But you know, our Lord, our Lord came here to show us there is no need to despair. We trust in him, and we learn that through our um, sufferings, we are joined with his suffering, and it's a, actually a blessing for those um, who can witness this and witness that there's a triumph over the suffering. There's a meaning of the suffering. And so that's a special uh, thing that we learn in the Knights of Malta. And because it was so important in this idea that suffering and illness is a part of our human condition, but we are not left alone just simply to suffer and for no reason. Uh, the World Day of the Sick was commenced by Pope John Paul II in 1992. And it was established as, uh, as a day for people to pray for individuals who are sick and for their, their caretakers. Mm-hmm. And so this World Day of the Sick that we will be celebrating in the, sac- in the greater Sacramento area, will, as you say, be it Our Lady uh, OLA, our, our Lady of Assumption Parish, and we're hoping that people will come there at 10 o'clock, the 10 o'clock Mass, which will be convened by uh, Bishop Soto, and the Knights will be there along with uh, Dames of Malta and their volunteers, and typically we have, as a special blessing, some words water coming directly from the uh, pilgrimage site in Lourdes for people to bless themselves and to uh, receive that that extra sacramental for that day. I, you know, I've, I've, in a very practical sense, I've always wondered, you know, the, the uh, airline security has gotten very strict about liquids on a plane. <laughs> do you... Do you... Do you have, have that? Say, hey, this is Lord's water, you know? You, Bob, I, I think you're remembering that story I told last yes, year, and I'm happy to repeat yes. it again. Um, a funny story about that was that my, my mother, who I consider to be the most sated person on the planet because she put up with me many years, uh, we went on pilgrimage together. And on the way back through the airport, she had, and I mean a huge, at least a half a liter, a liter bottle of Lord's water. (laughs) And she was going to take it through the airport security. And I had told her, Mom, I don't think they're going to allow you to take liquids that that large on on the flight. And, of course, in her complete you know, innocence. She's saying, but it's Lourdes water. You know, they have to let me take it. (laughs) And of course we get there and uh, the uh, flight attendant who's there as you're going through security, very politely said, you know, ma'am, you cannot take that on the, on the flight. And my mom's looking around (laughs) and I just said, I just hoisted the bottle in the presence of all the people there, many of whom were, uh, also from the Knights of Malta returning home. And I said, we've got some Lord's water here. We're not about to let it just be poured out. Would anyone like to have some? And we passed the bottle right there in the airport and everyone had an extra sacramental uh, on the way home to uh, enjoy. Oh, that's so that's wonderful. what we did. That's great. That's a great story. So you got it all home. <laughs> We got it. We we all took it home. We were all vessels of the Holy Spirit, taking it home. Yes, uh, I remember a night a number of years ago brought me uh, some Lord's water, and I, I I cherish it. I still have it, and abs- yes, absolutely cherish it. Well, that's, it's it is something to be cherished. That's a that's good that you have that, Bob. That's a special blessing for you and your family. Indeed. So, 
David, tell us about about the 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 World Day of the Sick it, it itself, uh, how it how it works practically. People come and um, get the blessing, and anybody's welcome, though. Uh, absolutely, that's right. When you go to the to the mass, it will be there. We'll have the it'll be a normal mass that you're used to, but in the middle of it, they will also provide a sacrament of the sick. And this is where individuals who are have a grave illness or perhaps they have an upcoming hospitalization or surgery mm-hmm. and they uh, can benefit from uh, the blessing that you receive from that sacrament. They will be invited forward, they and their caregivers, to have a special blessing from the priest and the bishop who will be there who can administer the sacrament of the sick. Um, I will also note that you don't get a better blessing because you went to the bishop than if you receive it from the priest. But <laughs> for some reason, and I think it's because Bishop Soto is such a warm and welcoming person, and people just are drawn to him, that yeah. his lines just seem to be seem to be that much longer. But um, it's with a wonderful idea that people will be going there to receive a blessing. And we can't underscore enough that frequently it's the caregivers who need these blessings yes, as much yes. as the as the sick or the invalid. And the purpose of that, there's a special calling that they have. And that calling frequently takes a lot of, um, it, it, it takes a toll. And, we want people to know that we are united with them. It's the Knights are there to support the people there. And we, as Knights, we face the same things. We face the same injuries. We face the same illnesses and the same challenges of being uh, uh, caregivers. And we want to be united with all of those people who are injured, who are sick, who are caregivers. And it's really a wonderful uh, uh, mass, a, a special mass that gives this feeling of unity and of an uplifting and a blessing. And I really encourage anyone, even if they aren't sick, please come to the mass. You will receive a special feeling, a special blessing for being there. And you're welcome to be there. Yeah, the Holy Spirit will definitely be there. You you know it. Yeah, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't want to be competing with Bishop Soto for a, a, no matter what we were passing out. <laughs> He's an amazing man. You know, I believe that next week also he will be later in the day at the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament with the catechumens and the candidates who will be making right. their first uh, communion and their their entrance into the church come the Easter Vigil. So he's a quite busy guy, well, and we're very, very happy that he's with us. Tomorrow, Ash Wednesday, he'll be on the steps of the Capitol, uh, yep. you know, distributing the ashes. And I I, I, I love that because I, uh, without defending or attacking the founders, I think that's the kind of freedom of religion that the founders had in mind, that, that, not, that he's not there representing the government, he's there representing uh, the Catholic faith, the Christian faith, and on a public space, what better place for, for to to exercise our freedoms than on a public space? Exactly. Otherwise, and on the World Day of the Sick. Yeah, in the same way as the World Day of the Sick. I was going to say on the World Day of the Sick, when you come to Mass, please, please receive your communion and realize you're receiving our Lord, body and soul and divinity of him. He is present there. Yep. He he's inviting you to be there. He wants you to be there. And especially in this time of uh, Eucharistic revival, you know, and, mm-hmm. and very much. Very very much so. I I I know I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, "Well, uh, that's uh, not a, somebody without faith, but of, of a different faith." And they said, "So that's your belief that's the actual body and blood." And I said, "Well, it goes beyond my belief. It's a fact." You know, yes. which is there's one higher level than my belief is a fact. And I said, it doesn't matter if I believe it or I don't. It's a fact. And that's right. And I, I, I think 
they looked at me like, wow, wow, that's, you know, like, I, I think it actually had an effect on them, you know, like sure. uh, in a positive way, like, um, and how can it not? How could it not? How can it not? Imagine that you're, you're you are actually witnessing and saying, "My Lord Jesus Christ is present here." Yeah, we haven't been abandoned. He's with us, and um, more and more that you realize that, just to me, communion becomes the most important thing. Yeah, the, the source and summit of our faith, indeed. David, thank you so much. Uh, again, it is this Saturday, February 17, 10 a.m. to noon at Our Lady of the Assumption Parish, 5057 Cottage Way here in Sacramento. Uh, Bishop Soto will be there, and uh, everyone is invited. David, always a joy to talk with you. Uh, uh, we'll have to do it more often than just once a year. <laughs> Bob, I do want to say thank you very much. You've always been very gracious. It's always been wonderful to talk with you. I like the humor that's 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 interspersed in this and just the it just adds to the feeling of 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 joy oh. and i am just thankful that you had me on today oh thanks so much david god bless and uh, i will look forward to seeing you very soon you take care thanks so much that's uh, david zarka from the uh, from the knights of malta and uh, again the world day of the sick february 17 this saturday and again a reminder uh, bishop soto will be at the steps of the cathedral uh, tomorrow morning, Ash Wednesday, um, to distribute the ashes on Ash Wednesday. I um, should tell you that the uh, Catholic Appeal is uh, underway. Uh, you may have received a brochure in the mail. Uh, maybe, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Uh, but And you're hearing about it in your parishes as well. Uh, there is so much. This is the annual Catholic Appeal. It is uh, so important to so many ministries here in the in the Diocese of Sacramento. T together as Catholics, we bring healing to those around us, um, and uh, kids can reach their full potential. Uh, just to share a story from the from the pamphlet, uh, Isabel is devoted to ensuring a positive support system for father kids foster kids now and their future for their future as a court appointed special advocate you may have heard of that program casa that's not a catholic program that's a a, a county program uh, throughout the counties in in the state of california court appointed special advocate uh, which is casa a program administered with compassion and dedication by northern valley catholic social service among others uh, isabel gives kids the voice they need in court to have a positive path in life. Once in foster care herself, the severe trauma a child goes through is all too familiar. Today, she's reunited with her parents, has a family of her own, and is focused on becoming a lawyer. Uh, Northern Valley Catholic Social Service gives her the opportunity to advocate in court for children with stories like hers. And indeed, it's a, it's a uh, program the CASA volunteers come from all over, including Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, and they they help uh, kids who are who are in the court system for one reason or another, um, uh, not because they're in trouble with the law, but but the, you know they could be wards of the court, they could be foster youth, etc. And they help them and mentor them. My my wife was a, a CASA volunteer for a number of years, and just felt it was very meaningful to her, but also to the kids that she worked with. Uh, Isabel has had a rough time overcoming past traumas, and she says, "I just and Jessica says I just want to thank Northern Valley Catholic Social Service for helping us with rent, helping us with housing, helping us with finances at certain times. Once we had those necessities, we could think about reun reunifying with our children." That's uh, from Jessica, who is Isabel's Isabel's mom, and works today as a substance abuse counselor. So many other uh, programs as well that are uh, sponsored by the uh, Catholic Appeal, uh, by, by the, the Diocese of Sacramento through the funds raised in the annual Catholic Appeal. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless.
This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley and Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley and Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates.
And